For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Star Wars 7x7, episode 2083. Yesterday, we talked about the timeline details scattered throughout the Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary. And today, we're going to collect details about the planets we get to visit in the Rise of Skywalker. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. So we visit a lot of worlds in The Rise of Skywalker. In fact, it's probably one of the movies in the Skywalker saga that contains the most planets, moons, what have you, that we visit out of any of them. And yeah, I know Revenge of the Sith technically would probably be the one that has the most because of that montage of scenes where Order 66 is executed and then a whole bunch of Jedi are executed across a whole bunch of different planets. But The Rise of Skywalker really does do a lot of galaxy hopping. And so we're going to look at some of the fun facts that we learned about the various planets and moons that appear in the movie, thanks to the Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary. And thank you again to DK Publishing for sending me a copy to check out and share with you. Let's start with Agent Kloss, which is the home of the Resistance in the Rise of Skywalker, and a very temporary home comparatively. Like, they're not dug in, they haven't built structures or anything like that. The Tanavi 4 is, for all intents and purposes, their base, and they're almost utterly mobile. They can leave at a moment's notice. As far as, like, structures, they're basically the cave systems, right? They're just kind of tucked away wherever they can be. This planet was originally charted by Alderanian scouts and kept secret by the royal family in case they ever needed a place to escape to, but it was also on a short list of planets that could have served as rebel bases. It's not too far away from Dantooine, apparently, and a little farther away from Yavin 4 by comparison. And this world is also where Leia trained with Luke very briefly in those heady days after the Battle of Endor, that scene that we see in The Rise of Skywalker where Luke and Leia are running through the forest and sparring together. That takes place on Agent Kloss. A couple of other fun facts, one from an astronomical perspective. Agent Kloss is actually a moon of the gas giant Ajara, and Agent Kloss itself has two moons. And I was thinking about that and going, when have you ever heard of a moon that had its own moons? That seemed odd to me. I mean, I'm thinking of Titan, which is the largest moon of Saturn. I think it's the largest moon in our solar system. Imagine if Titan had moons of its own. Like, that's what we would be talking about. Titan would be the equivalent of Agent Kloss in that case. What an interesting concept. And Agent Kloss also resonates with life through the Force, which makes it an ideal training ground, according to the Visual Dictionary. Now let's talk about Mustafar. Mustafar, the home of Darth Vader. And there is a brief bit in the Visual Dictionary that talks about the story that informs Vader Immortal, the VR game on the Oculus, right? That's the story of Lady Corvax and how she was obsessed with the secrets of immortality and unleashed forces that turned the then garden world of Mustafar into this molten, terrible place 
basically made it like go off of its orbit into a different orbit where it's being you know, pushed and pulled between other planets orbits and it's just kind of ripping the place apart but apparently since Darth Vader has been dead for many decades a the planet has fallen into comparative obscurity and also possibly a coincidence possibly not certain patches of the land have started to cool off and because of that because of both factors it's attracted people who are coming in pilgrimage to Darth Vader and his legends and all of that including the Elasmic clan, if that's how you pronounce it, those are the folks that are getting slaughtered by Kylo Ren and his First Order Stormtroopers at the beginning of the Rise of Skywalker. Then we have the planet Pasana, and there isn't much about Pasana beyond, you know, what we saw in the movie itself, right? That festival apparently attracts lots of visitors from neighboring systems. And we also find out that Luke explored Pasana early on in his star hopping days when he was searching for Jedi and Sith lore. The way it's presented in the visual dictionary makes it sound like he was there previously before he started hearing things about Exegol and went there with the Hermit, aka Lando Calrazine. So it sounds like he had been to Pasana previously before the whole Exegol business started popping up. And speaking of Exegol, it is described as a Sith stronghold dating back to antiquity. There had been a lot of Sith worlds that had been quarantined by the Republic, and there's a list of them, which includes Malakor and Zyoist and Jaguada and Relg, R-H-E-L-G. Also, there's mention in the Visual Dictionary of Moraband, which was known in antiquity as Korriband. That's, of course, the planet that Yoda goes to in that final story arc of the Clone Wars, season six. It's basically an old-timey Sith hideout because the Republic could never get there. It's almost impossible to navigate to the place, and it's buried in the unknown regions. So, according to the Visual Dictionary, it says that loyalists kept the flames of sinister worship burning as they waited for the next opportunity to take over the galaxy. And there's also a note in the Visual Dictionary about deep fissures in the planet, and it says that the Sith believed that there was a transportative virgins hidden in the rock. And so they were digging to be able to access this transportative virgins, a virgins in the force, presumably, and one that could take you to various other places throughout the galaxy. That sounds like a very intriguing possibility. And I think this might be the first time we've heard of a transportative virgins as opposed to other kinds of virgences like the one around the lightsaber that uh, that Rey touched in The Force Awakens or the dark side virgins that she found on Octo in the last Jedi. Then we have the Sinta Glacier Colony. That is that giant billions of years old chunk of ice which apparently was the heart of a mega comet and it has fallen into the orbital pull of the star Sinta and so now it's in a stable orbit and so uh, people are mining it basically. There is a mineral that's used in the manufacture of droids and communications and electronics and so that's what the deal is with that. As far as Kajimi goes, well, as we know, it's an outpost for outlaws and pirates and spice runners. It's basically an anarchy situation. There is no formal government, but there is some sort of social stability because, you know, people are 
saying, hey, you know, we're all in this together, but we're all in this for, you know, our own individual goods. So as long as everybody gets along, then everybody gets along just fine until, of course, the First Order comes stomping along. In the past, however, this was a very spiritual place. It was the home of a Dai Bendu monastery. And the place that is currently known as the Thieves' Quarter used to be the Quarter of the Beatific, which is because it was formerly the home of the Brotherhood of the Beatific Countenance. And if that's at all familiar to you, if that religious group rings any kind of bell, it might be because of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. There were folks from the Brotherhood that were wandering around the streets of Jeddah City when Jin and Cassian were there, looking for a connection to Saw Gerrera. If it helps to jog your memory at all, if you remember some very tall red-robed folks, but instead of looking like the Emperor's Royal Guard red-robed, think of their helmets as if the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail had dyed his helmet red and put it on top of red robes and was super tall. That's what we're talking about. So that's just about everything except for Kef Beer, which we will talk about right after the break. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Razor, I've made some changes to the Asteroid Belt level at patreon.com SW7X7 and they are all with sponsors in mind. So if you want to get the word out about your business, your product, your service to a dedicated Star Wars audience, then please check out patreon.com SW7X7 and look for the Asteroid Belt level for details. Again, that's patreon.com SW7X7. Welcome back. Well, Kef Beer is known as the Ocean Moon of Endor, and there's also the Forest Moon of Endor, which is naturally where all of our Ewok friends live. But there are nine moons of the planet Endor, which apparently the New Republic was going to rename Tana in honor of the Ewoks and to reduce confusion of, is it the, you know, the Forest Moon of Endor, but that's Endor the planet? Like, what do you do with all this? And it never happened, apparently. So... <laughs> <laughs> there's that. But there are nine moons around the planet, so here's good for you for trivia. There's the forest moon, there's the ocean moon, which is called Kefbeer by the Ewoks themselves. There's Fentaka, Alprazar, Charles, Vix, Ghouls, Korkar, and Hualmaka. So, yeah, you get to name <laughs> moons and planets when you're part of Lucasfilm, which is pretty cool. And one of the things that they say about this system is that there are a bunch of hyperspace anomalies in the sector itself and that may have spared the moons surrounding the planet Endor from most of the damage from the explosion of Death Star 2. Oh, there is also one other thing I wanted to share with you. So the hyperspace skipping, the light speed skipping that Poe Dameron does in the beginning of The Rise of Skywalker Places that are seen briefly are named. One of them is the Megafauna Chasm of the Typhonic Nebula. Another one is the Mirror Spires of Evexia. And then there's the Crystal Chaos of Cardovite. So, yeah, add that to your trivia bag of tricks as well. And that is going to do it for our review of planetary fun facts that we learn thanks to the Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show as well. Thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the galaxy, really, <laughs> you may be. 
1077 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.